0: Hello and welcome into this special edition of the Golf Show podcast with Rex and Lav. And Rex, it is one of the most stunning days in the history of the sport. The golf war is over. This week, a year ago, Live Golf played its inaugural event in London. 52 weeks later, the PGA Tour is merging with Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund in the DP World Tour. Essentially, what this means is that the PIF is going to invest in a new commercial for-profit entity that is designed to unify the professional game. As a result, do you think that you've been covering now for months, the pending litigation between the two parties is dropped. The 2023 schedule for both sides is going to continue as scheduled. But after that, wow. I mean, the landscape, the men's professional game just changed forever. More or less, the Saudis now own... The men's professional game. Rex, uh, what's your what's your reaction?
1: Uh, I mean, I was stunned. I was getting off a plane or getting on a plane in Atlanta when it uh, came through. I was leaving golf's longest day. You drove home last night, you were the smart one among us. Um uh, I, I, I guess the part that gets me is I, I don't want to sit here and pretend like you know everything before it's going to happen. I mean, I'm build as the insider. Don't we'll be that guy. It. Don't be I'm that I'm not guy. that guy. And and I'm honest with you, after getting on the plane and as the news started to filter out and I started to wrap my mind around it and started getting texts. Uh, I don't know how many players texted me and had no idea this was coming. Like it's one thing that people are kind of whispering about this on a range for the last few weeks and they hadn't. And I do think it's fascinating. There's some behind the scenes stuff that's going on. It, it feels, you know, a little bit, you know, being in the room when it happens sort of feel because it, it wasn't even Jay. I mean, this didn't even get started with the commissioner, you know, reaching out to the public investment fund or its governor or even Greg Norman, certainly not Greg Norman, and Liv Goff. I mean, this was two policy board members, two very influential policy board members, Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley, the chairman of the policy board, who sort of got this ship sailing. It hasn't, hasn't, hasn't
0: taken a meeting in four years.
1: Uh, what's it? No, you're right. And I, I think I've told this story. I was on the plane with the commissioner last year going to London, and we were sitting next to each other in about an hour of awkward conversations. He finally rolled his eyes and like, all right, you know, what do you want to ask me? Just go ahead and go to it. And I remember at the time asking him why. Why didn't you just have a conversation with him? And his response was, our sponsors would never go for that. And and I kind of rolled my eyes and I pushed back a little bit. But I, I sort of, at the time, I felt like, I understand where you're coming from. I knew RBC was not a f- big fan. And uh, the irony being, this is the RBC Canadian Open Week. This all comes out. The irony is, last year, Liv Goff played their first event during RBC Canadian Open Week. Canadian can't catch a break. Um, (laughs) or RBC. Uh and now in retrospect, I'm sitting thinking to myself, like, we could have avoided all this. And I know that's silly and that's 2020 hindsight nonsense, and it's just gonna be a waste of time. But I keep going back to the idea, and I've said this on this podcast before: had we just had a conversation four years ago, five years ago, whatever the case may be, maybe we end up in the same spot with lawsuits and fractured golf and suspended players and fines and everything else, or maybe. We end up where they want to be right now, which is two very influential bodies in the world coming together to try to do something together instead of apart. Isn't it interesting? Like I kind of think of this as the as the 2020 Masters. I think in in 10, 20,
0: 50 years, we're gonna view this live period as, oh, that was that was a little bit weird, wasn't it? Because it was this weird, wasn't it? This this was what The PGL and the Saudis initially wanted, they, they just, they wanted a seat at the table. They wanted to, they wanted to disrupt. They wanted to be influential. Uh, They wanted to kind of ingratiate themselves with, with the movers and shakers and golf's shareholders. This is what they've been pitching all along. and, the, the hostile takeover of Live Golf was never going to succeed. I think that's obvious now a year and a half in their business model. Everyone can poke holes in it. Everyone can see that it wasn't happening. It was making very few inroads, uh, particularly here in the United States. But it accomplished the goal of just having the conversation. And at that point, they knew, as well as anyone, it was going to be irresistible to have billions – we're talking plural – billions of dollars – flow into the PJ tour. And there's a lot of complicated minutiae in terms of what they're having to do here by setting up uh, the for profit LLC. However, this was always the end goal for Live. So here's here's where I here's where I want to go with this Rex. Like we love doing these winners and losers, right? Who who wins in this scenario? I I see I see I see the Piff winning because they
1: got what got they what want
0: they, they got what they wanted, and they now have uh, Yasser El-Rumayan as the chairman of this new entity. In other words, he's going to be Jay Monahan's boss. Uh, they obviously will be very influential and a commercial partner of the PGA Tour. I think the PGA Tour long term is also going to win from this. The influx of cash that you're going to be, we're talking billions of dollars, other growth opportunities, which Jay Monahan uh, talked about in the press conference with us. I think they benefit. So who's so who's the loser in all of this? Is it is it us who had to cover this for two years? Is it is it golf fans? I don't see how this could be potentially negative for golf fans. You're once again reincorporating the best players in the world. Is it the major championships? Is it is it a win win? Is it just short term pain, long
1: term gain? How do you see it? Uh, I think we're always the losers, aren't we? In this scenario, I mean, we're, I would start with us. That feels, uh, no, that feels personal. I, um, I feel like. I'm going to start with who the winners are in my mind. And and look, I would argue golf is probably going to be the winner more to the point is I, I talked to two live players today when I was coming home from the airport and I started both conversation with congratulations, you won. And they both laughed and they both sort of, you know, shucked it off, but there was a lightness to the conversation that hadn't been there before because whether or not if they're welcome back with open arms, whether or not whatever the path back is going to be, I just asked the commissioner in a conference call with reporters if he had any more details, and he doesn't. And I wouldn't imagine we're going to know anything about this anytime sooner. But whatever transpires now, at least they can walk away with a clear conscience that okay, all of these things that we were called, that we we said we were taking, we I mean they were the thing. we were doing it, were, and we that's, that's going to be the 52 problem two weeks. Well I would more than that, I would argue, because this goes back beyond just the start of live golf last year. I would you know go back to as soon as anyone started making eyes at him, I think there was sort of this dirtiness to it, and that's going to have to be reconciled if I'm being honest with you. I mean one of the things that one of those players told me is, yes, I'd love to come back, I'd love to be part of the process again, love to be part of the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, certainly the Ryder Cups, part of the conversation, but there's going to have to be an apology in there. Like because for more than a year, I was the enemy. I was doing something wrong, and now all of a sudden, because you woke up, woke up on the right side of the bed, and you got the right people in your ear that told you, oh, "No, no, no, we have to do this." That suddenly, oh, they're okay to do business with. Like that to me is baffling. Uh, the losers it, are very clear in my mind. Beyond us, it's, it's John Rom. It's maybe Rory to a certain degree, although I don't know the extent of how you much think, he really do you think.
0: Do you think Greg Norman? Do
1: you think Greg Norman is a winner? Uh... Or loser? Uh, I, I no, I don't think he's a loser in all of this. I think he was the disruptor. He's being pushed he out again. To be. He was not. He is being pushed out. Uh, he was not mentioned, uh, and, was not mentioned and I've gone to he's their gone. website a couple times now today, and they, they've yet to post the news. Which, you, for those of us in the b- business, is a number one sign that one, they definitely did not see this coming, and two, they they don't like what's on the wall because. If you read between the lines a little bit, and I want to go back to the original question. If you read between the lines a little bit, this isn't Live Golf and the PGA Tour coming together. No. This live, is the PIF. Live, live the does PGA not exist. Tour. Live does not exist in there's gonna be a, a version of it. Months. It's not gonna be called Live, that's clear. It's named TBD is in the press release. I mean but on the LPGA,
0: they have the Aramco series, which is prevalent on the LET, that also is incorporated in the LPGA schedule. Like that's that's essentially what we're getting here. But it is not going to be, yeah. we're not gonna have a live live event at at trump bedminster where rory and ron and scotty are are vying for the title that's that's not the outcome here it's essentially the public investment fund launched live disrupted the game and now they're incorporating themselves back into the ecosystem and live is live is killed off we're not going to have the range goats uh be part of the PJ tour vernacular
1: uh, absolutely not. And so, uh, I would argue that, yes, I mean, Liv Goff probably isn't going to win. As you pointed out, I agree with what you just said, but I think Greg Norman got what he wanted. He wanted to be a disruptor. And even if it just lasted for a year, he got to do what he was sort of smacked around trying to do all those years ago that, you know what, he got his feelings hurt. He ended up on the wrong side of history and back in 1994, and here's my chance I'm going to show the world. So, I would argue that he's not didn't going to he, go away. Didn't he really just do their bidding for them? I mean,
0: it's it's hard. Sure. 100%. I don't I don't see him as I don't see him as emerging victorious
1: from this scenario. I see him just kind no, of being I, a part of I do, being, I do. I mean I, he's not gonna a, get a chance in a longer to longer game lap because he's not gonna be welcomed back into the game. I mean you can welcome back whomever you want, which Phil Mickelson is that's a whole nother another podcast. Like how do you how do you work that guy back into the ecosystem? But I mean he's not gonna be welcomed back, but I I mean I think in this case perception is what you make it out to be and he's going to make himself out to be the disruptor that he always wanted to be so no he's not he's not the loser no i the losers are the john roms of the world the guys who had 300 million dollar guys the hideki guy who could have been a game changer for the 75 million for ricky fowler and and he did the right thing in, in his mind that's what that's what jay monahan told him you do the right thing you stay with us your, your legacy will remember this. You'll be part of the ecosystem. All of those things. And so now there's going to become a reality where they didn't take the bag, as Claude Harmon likes to call it, and they stayed home. And now the, the players who did take the bag and go away are going to be welcomed back. That, so that, that is, losers, man.
0: Yes. Okay. So that is, I think, the one of the biggest hurdles besides kind of regaining the trust of the PJ Tour membership. Uh, I've heard uh, distrust, betrayal – uh, disappointed, frustrated. Coward. Um, uh, Player called him a
1: coward it. in the meeting. From what he just told, from what I just heard.
0: Didn't hear that one, uh, but that is uh, particularly harsh. Um, so, besides that, and kind of mending these mending these bridges, and I think once they, and look, they had, he keeps saying there's a framework, but they don't have the actual definitive plan, right, for for what this is going to look like. He hopes that that's going to be accomplished in a couple of weeks, and at that point, you can do kind of the financials, and show exactly what the models are forecasting, what that is going to look like. What I think the biggest thing, Rex, is satiating these stars. And we don't have a lot of them, right, this week at the RBC Canadian Open. Roy McIlroy is the headliner. He's the defending champion. But Jay Monahan, in the press conference, uh, with a select group of reporters, was asked whether the marquee players who remain loyal to the PGA Tour – could be compensated in a way that's commensurate to what they could have earned by bolting for live. And this is his exact quote, Rex. Quote, what you're talking about is an equalization over time, and I think that's a fair and reasonable concept. I, I found that to about. be I – thought, I thought that was fascinating. I don't know – how you would possibly do this. I mean, is it like filing an expense report with Concur? Like, do you have to show the receipts of, hey, John Rahm, here's, here's, my, here's my formal offer of, of $300 million and we'll pay out over 10, 25 years, whatever the case may be. They do have the possibility now, Rex, by going to this for-profit LLC and, and bringing in other investors that you can pay out these players. Maybe not in a whole lump sum, but you could do some sort of payment plan that, that hey, John Run will be paid the $300 million. Tiger Woods will get the $800 million. You can't make, make it right. Get get sure. whatever and, the case And maybe may be. that's
1: that's the plan. That has uh, to it's happen. going to be hard that to figure this out. has, to happen. has yeah. to happen. It has to happen. And they can't use Concur because you and I both can attest that <laughs> that would never get done if they use Concur. But, no, you're right. It can. And, look, I guess I wrote this story – God, it's been a, a month or two ago now about what the path back would look like because the rumors started – about the Honda Classic when we got to the Florida swing about you know the, I think there was a lot of talk about brooks just having me or had lunch with Roy mcelroy and at the time I heard Jimmy Dunn who apparently is the architect of this thing was the guy who was sort of reaching out and trying to be a bridge and I got a lot of feedback from players on both sides about the idea that one it's got to be punishing punishing enough like you've got whatever it takes to come back you've got to punish these players that enough so they never do that, that again mean? I don't know but the is other it, half has to be you got you got to get your pound of flesh so I don't know where to where he's going to be able to draw the line because if we're together, if we're one happy family now, which is what I read in today's press release, how can you go to and again Phil Mickelson's not the best ally in this conversation, but how do you go to Phil and be like, hey, we want forty nine percent. That seems fair. 49-51 split your way. Like I, I don't see him going there. I don't see him doing that. So he doesn't have
0: the details, right? This is just the framework, is he? Uh, continually repeated he he did tell a player though in the player meeting that the discretion is ultimately going to be up to him of when the player uh, reapplies for membership on the pga tour whether that will eventually be granted does he have to pay back all of the signing bonus is it just as a a significant fine is it going to be uh, a year suspension Uh, that is uh, very much to be determined at this point but i did find it interesting that the sole discretion would be Jay Monahan's because when you look at how players have defected, some have resigned their membership very peacefully. I think of Louis Louis Oosthuizen, or I think players who have been very divisive, very polarizing, uh, antagonistic. A, a Sergio Garcia, an Ian Poulter, a Patrick Reed, a Bryson DeChambeau, a Phil Mickelson. Like those guys are going to be treated differently than it seems you would have a Oosthazen. Brooks you know what's funny or, is when I wrote DJ.
1: that when I wrote that story that the idea of doing this a la carte, which is what you're talking about, uh, it was actually Billy Horschel who came up with the idea, and I completely scoffed at it. I'm like, Billy, you can't like stop you you can't slap one guy on the wrist and hug the other guy. Like, come on, there has to be, this has got to be uniform. But I think you're right. I, I think he's going to have to look at this on a case by case basis. If you join the antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour, that's going to be problematic. I don't know, however, how you dig into if Phil Mickelson got 175 million, you want X percent of Man. it versus versus Louis Oosthuizen's, let's say 25 million dollars. Like that one's that one's going to be tough. But you
0: have, I, I don't, I mean honestly, this is I, I don't know how you do it, but you you have to. You can't have an unequal playing field. And maybe they can, maybe they can make good, right, with the with the JTs and the Speece and the Roys of the world, uh, guys who obviously turned down lucrative nine figure paydays. Uh, to get them back on a level playing field, um, I, I I just don't know how you would do that. I, I think one of the biggest questions that we still don't have an answer to, and I thought Jay Monahan was very vague about it. Rex was why was 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 why now? Uh, Brendan Quinn of the Athletic, uh, who is a, a very fine writer, kind of got at this with his question, and Jay conceded that the mounting legal fees and the drawing of the reserves to pay for the designated event model. Because essentially, look at the RBC Heritage, right? It went from uh, $8.5 million purse to now $20 million purse. That's coming out of the PGA Tour reserves, among other places. And so the losses that they have incurred this year and to support the 2024 schedule, uh, in addition to the antitrust lawsuit, um, which as you have detailed <laughs> extensively on golf RIP, uh, those will have to go uh, archive now that the lawsuits have been dropped, uh, but they, they have been significant and they were going to last for years, plural. Uh, and so that was obviously going to be very expensive. And so as a player explained to me, which was explained uh, by Monahan was that quote, what was explained in business jargon is that the tour is running out of cash despite winning lawsuits. Both parties wanted them done for different reasons and decided to settle it with the merger. We were told the money will be in the billions to the new entity. But guys don't want to accept that the tour could not survive in perpetuity in this current state. Jay wanted the PJ Tour to remain something and not dwindle into nothingness. How much of it was inevitable, Rex? How much of it was the tour trying to save itself? How much was it if you can't beat them, join them type of thing.
1: Uh, I think it was inevitable. Uh, I've said all along, I thought eventually we had to, the two sides had to come together. I thought it would be years. Apparently it was days since probably the last time I, I said that out well, loud. There was, so that no, one...
0: there, was, there was a lot of talk when, it, when we talked about inevitable though, Rex, we always talked about folding the live golf tournaments within a PJ tour schedule, right? Like we didn't, I don't think we necessarily saw the PIF financing, And investing in the pga tour rex was this inevitable was it inevitable that the pga tour was eventually going to have to merge with the PIF? uh
1: yeah i think it was i mean look in i got a text from someone on the pack so i want to get this right i want to read it but it was sort of a and the commissioner certainly talked about a couple of the reasons why but I, i thought this one summed it up really well one The PGA Tour was going to lose the lawsuit that they have going on right now. There was no judge that wasn't going to find them anti-competitive and certainly restraints of trade Two, the PGA Tour also having slight issues on the sponsorship front and they knew it would get worse. The designated events weren't landing like they wanted them to. These are two concerning things to your point. I mean, if you want to sit here and pick and choose, yeah, the tour is probably in a position of strength right now as opposed to live golf. Certainly. Everything about the products are better. You can sit here and and pick apart certain elements of it. But I think they're winning that particular war. But if you look long term from now, if the commissioner is sitting down in his heart of hearts and looking at himself in the mirror and asking, where are we going to be 10 years from now? The lawsuit wasn't going to go their way. They were going to get drug into a, a fight that they probably didn't or shouldn't be part of. And the sponsors, many of the sponsors, weren't happy with the direction of the tour. Some of the designated events landed really, really well, and some of them didn't. And it was going to be a hard sell to ask the Wells Fargo of the world for an extra 10, 12 million dollars a year to get essentially the same field that they've always had. Yeah, I think that's where the, the cynic in me, the pessimist
0: in me um, kind of went with this. Like when you when you thinking about why the about face right now, why the tour had to make this move right now, you know, were they fearful of what was going to come up? in discovery did they not have the funds to support a a, a years-long protracted they were fearful was coming, in discovery how about the yet? doj investigation not helpful uh, that is still ongoing as you mentioned like were sponsors balking at the price for not just 2023 but 2024 uh, and beyond i think that was i think that was a critical component and now not having to worry about their financial viability uh, is obviously going to be a relief, And that's really gonna be the, the sell for, for Jay Monahan when he's talking to the PJ Tour membership is showing the models. This is what we had to do, this was the reality of the situation. Um, we needed this cash to subsist, and that's where they're going with this. What's what's kind of Rex your your outstanding questions among this? We we tackled, you know, kind of what does this mean for the Roys and the Roms of the world, right? Like the, the PJ Tour Loyalists. We tackled what does this mean for the players. Um, Kind of working their way back, whether it's a a Brooks DJ Bryson, whatever the case may be. And obviously, I think we both agree that the PG Tour would be better off having some of those villainous figures uh, back on a weekly basis for the PG Tour. I think I'm going to answer my own question. The biggest question for me right now is You do that a lot, don't you? We've been talking for six months about this radical schedule for 2024, right? And how you're going to have this designated events and this non-designated events, and there's going to be a cadence, and it's going to be great, and everyone's really happy, and all the PGA Tour players are on board. Like that was that's been dominating our discussion for the past six months. Does that all just get blown up now? Like, is that still on target? They were they were set to release the schedule in about a month's time. So I think I think that's my main question as we sit here right now. Once we get past that other stuff, is like. What's the tour look like in twenty twenty four? Is it business as usual, just with a lot more cash?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't know. And to that point, I don't think Jay Monahan knows. Certainly, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia doesn't know. This is what was the commissioner called a framework agreement, and essentially what that did is they decided to drop the lawsuit. That's the only concrete fact right now. And also, and Norman, and Norman to- potentially had to go. <laughs> Uh, well, we don't even know that as a concrete fact. Like, it doesn't look good for Norman. Doesn't particularly look good for Liv Golf, if I'm being honest. I, op- the, optics entity, are, the optics yes. are such that, like, it was a condition, right? But the uh, the only thing we know is that they're dropping the lawsuits, multiple lawsuits that are going on right now, and then to a lesser degree that the members who joined Live Golf and were suspended, they're going to be allowed to reapply for membership. That's the end of the conversation. That's it. That's all we know right now. And commercial, I think Jay commercial Mond- investors, commercial investors, a huge one. And yes, but I think Jay Monahan would probably tell you that he had to draw the line there. He didn't have a choice. It's a member organization. The way these things work out and get boring way down into the weeds is big ideas like this get tossed down to the pack. 16 members of the pack talk about it for a couple meetings, nothing really comes from that. If you talk to anybody that's ever been on the pack, they don't particularly like it after they've been on the pack because they realize that no one's listening to what we're saying anyway. And then it gets tossed back up with some ideas and we want to change this. And the policy board ignores everything that the pack did. And if it's really, really big like this one, it's voted on twice by the policy board. Now the policy board is now this year has 10 directors. There's 10 independent directors and there's 10 player directors. That is by design. It used to be eight and five. And it was five independents. And essentially the commissioner appointed the independents. So you can get an idea. The power always went in the commissioner's way. A few years ago, the players pushed back. And so now it's an even split. That's problematic now because Jay Monaghan now has to get all of these things, all of these little details that we're talking about. What in the world could the schedule possibly look like? How are we going to work these events into our quote-unquote ecosystem? How do we let the guys who left back in? What's that going to look like? All of those things, they have to get filtered to the policy board. He doesn't have a choice on that one. He had to keep this very, very vague. It had to be a framework agreement because if he did anything deeper than that, he was going to be that hour and a half meeting tonight, Tuesday night with the players, that would have lasted two and a half days because if he thought he took it on the chin, just the way this is right now, if he pushed it and he showed up with a full, fully cooked model and this is what it looks like, and ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Phil Mickelson in the room. That was going to burn down the house. You know who's also going to be part of the PGA Tour board moving forward? Yeah, Adam Scott. No. Yes, yeah, sir.
0: That, I'm Jordan curious
1: PGA. about that. And again, this is this is sort of a wonky behind-the-scenes stuff. That, But that means someone's got to come off the policy board as an independent director. And I like kind of started going through – it's not going to be Jimmy Dunn because clearly he's the architect of this one. Ed Hurley, who is the chairman, he uh, he's a very, very powerful man. So one of the other three – the other three are staring at each other being like <laughs> – this guy? Yeah. One, one, two, three. You want to do rock, I mean, paper, scissors? I yeah. got you, want to, you want to do rock, paper, scissors? Um, and, but that's going
0: to that's, that's, that's be a very interesting dynamic that he's that he's kind of yeah. getting in the weeds on that as
1: well. Uh, it is. It, and, and look, this is clearly, not, as I said, not a fully baked model, and that's probably by design because he, he probably could not show up with anything. And the idea that the players are getting into their feelings is probably something that he did not have time to prepare for. According to the commission, when he spoke with the reporters, this only got closed last night. This deal has been ongoing. He said there had been seven face-to-face meetings. Like this Like 12 apart. hours later is when this got announced. Yes, yeah, seven face-to-face meetings over the last seven. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no that's four, not right. Four in-person meetings four in-person over the meetings. last seven weeks. Seven weeks, yep. Yeah. So we're talking about essentially since after the Masters, this all sort of came together. And in my mind – This probably leads him in a very difficult position because I'm sure in his mind, he knew he was going to show up in Canada today and it wasn't going to be a pleasant experience. I don't think he could have prepared for certainly what you and I and everyone else probably heard from players going into the meeting. And I was texting with players while they were in the meeting and it didn't go well. Does Jay Monahan survive this? Uh, No, I, I don't think either he or Greg Norman survived this. And that's, that, that's probably the hottest take I've, I've probably ever said on this podcast or anywhere. And uh, don't get me wrong. I don't feel as if he should lose his job. I don't want this to turn into a headline and get conflated. But you cannot preach for as long as he preached about the evils of the other side. And we're just going to do our thing. And we believe in legacy and we believe doing right things. And then suddenly we don't believe in that. And we're going to go ahead and get in bed with those people we told he you. Said he said he understands
0: the criticism that people are going to levy at him.
1: Oh, that's good. I'm glad he understands
0: it. He's a hypocrite. I'm not sure how or why you could hide from it. We literally have video clips of him 52 weeks ago saying like, you'd never have to apologize for being a member of the PJ tour. And now the very organization that he was criticizing has now been folded into the the PJ tour model.
1: Yeah. They leaned into that on, on, we were doing obviously a lot of TV today and they leaned into it on golf central that, you know, he understood, he understands where it's coming from. Of course he understands where it's coming from. I mean, he didn't know probably the veracity of it today, but he knew it was coming and it's only going to get worse and it's only going to build. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult sometime in the future. And I I remember having this conversation with a live player and it was in London last year at the BMW PGA and and it was on the record. And I asked him, can you imagine a world where they come together? And he thinks and his response was not with the leadership we have right now. And I turned my recorder off and I said, you were talking about Jay Monahan." And I go, but the same applies for Greg Norman. He goes, 100% it applies mm. for Greg Norman.
0: Yeah, Johnson Wagner, who was on our air, uh, said that players, uh, when they called for a change of, of leadership, uh, got a standing ovation in the room. A player uh, who was in the meeting uh, texted me, quote, seems like guys are done t- uh, trusting Jay. I think that's the big takeaway for me. Rex. and I tend to agree with you that I don't think Jay Monahan. Can survive this. I think he will kind of um, obviously see this deal through. Uh, He's he's one of the point uh, people who who was actually in that room and has the relationship uh, with the Saudis. Uh, But I think it'll be then uh, passing that power to someone else. The the mistrust to get to this point, I think, is kind of a bridge too far the pj tour membership i don't know how he could pot like he could he can show the models he could show them forecasts of of this is how your pockets are going to be lined right like in the next 5 10 25 years he he can do that and that may satisfy some of these uh players who are who are obviously visibly and and, and vocally angry at this point but i don't know if you're if you're a top pj tour player how you could ever trust what jay monahan tells you again Based on the evidence that you have uh, over the past four years, I think that's just the reality of the situation. I, I also was, was thinking, and this is obviously way down the, the, the rungs of, of importance, but like, what does this mean now for the official World Golf ranking application that has taken up so much of our airspace? What does this mean for major qualifications? What does this mean for the Ryder Cup? Like, is, is this now a shoe in that Brooks Kepka, if he doesn't qualify automatically? is, is going to be picked. What happens for all these players whose world ranking has suffered if Liv goes away at the start of 2024? They're kind of in golf purgatory, right? Like they have, they have nowhere to play. They'd have to reapply. Perhaps they're not get, they, they don't get rubber stamped right away. Like I wonder what happens to those players as well. So I, I understand that's, that's way lower on the rungs of importance, uh, but that's kind of – I mean this is such a, an enormous story the reverberation is going to be felt for weeks, if not months. And
1: there's just so many tentacles to it. From one player I was texting in the meeting, quote, I asked for his resignation and the resignation of everyone involved in this decision. My response was, I'll pay you $100 if you ask a question about the rolled back golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got two smiley emojis out of that. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have
0: anything to add, Rex, on what was a historic day for the sport something that we're going to be dealing with now for uh, several several months
1: uh someone just texted and asked is this the most significant day in golf and i, I don't know that's yeah that that's being a bit, bit of a prisoner of the moment and i, I don't want to do that but certainly it, it certainly for the pga tour i mean i can think of some moments when they separated from the pga of america um probably the that, most that significant
0: day months. since like 1968
1: uh, sure. sure. I, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things that could come up, but when it applies specifically to the PGA tour, I, I think to your point, the ramifications of this change dramatically 10 years from now, instead of being like, Oh yeah, live golf. I remember that. Now it's going to become part of the fabric. What that's going to look like. I wouldn't have a clue, but there, it's not going to be something that either fades away or takes over. I mean, there was two options. It could have gone either way. Like it wasn't going to remain neck and neck and, one was going to live one was going to die it seemed like somewhere 10 years down the road but now that it's part of the fabric it's going to be just zippered into the rest of everything else that's going on it's it's with us to stay real quick how do you think fans
0: will react to this will they will they resent jay monahan will they welcome our saudi overlords uh with with open arms <laughs> uh, will they stop will they stop showing Get that them?
1: up <laughs> will, they, will they?
0: Will they? Will they stop showing up to tournaments? Will they not watch broadcasts? I mean, what do you? What do you think the effect is?
1: Uh, the live bots weren't happy on Twitter this morning when when this all sort of started to break. So I, I kind of started ignoring them. Um, I, I think, as we said earlier, when we we're doing winners and losers, which is always fun to do, it seems like a very cliched sports radio way to, to handle this particular serious subject. But I, I would say that from a golf perspective, as a fan you should probably be sitting on your couch right now, happy with where it's going to end up. And look, maybe you don't like Phil Mickelson because of what happened and you're never going to like Phil Mickelson, or maybe you go the other way. There's certainly plenty of people who don't like Rory for being an outspoken proponent of the PGA tour throughout all of this. That's probably not going to change your mind, but if you're just an average golf fan, and I think we can all agree after watching the Masters, certainly after watching the PGA championship, it's better when they're all together. And yeah, there was a little animosity there and yeah, that was kind of a fun element of it as well. But it's only going to be better when it's together. I, I I had an agent send me this story of some some UK newspaper spouting off about this nonsense that Nike Golf wants to, to buy Brooks Kepka. two billion team and, dollars
0: for Chase Kepka,
1: Brooks Kepka and Jason Kokrak. Uh, but yes, the, 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 funny thing is, and this is completely rumors, like, please like wild speculation. I don't believe I'm not reporting any of this, but you just named three players. Cause the fourth player of that team supposedly walked away. Matthew Wolf as we I think we talked about this on the podcast last week. And the whole story is about that. They're speculating that Rory could join that team. And then it probably wouldn't be worth $2 billion to Nike did to, to be, get and, tiger. And, t- and Tiger, and kept Tiger the captain. Sure. However you want to slice this up. I don't think any of that's going to happen, at least in the short term. But now, and we've had this conversation before. As a sports fan in general, we love the transaction. Mm-hmm. I, we could spend thirty minutes talking about that transaction right now, and it's probably not real and never going to happen. Yes, no, I think you're. I think you're exactly right. Like there's certain <coughs> elements that you did That's all I got out of you. Is a Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, that's certainly some elements uh, that you could that you can borrow. I, I was. I was. I'm still struck. By what Jay Monahan said this morning on CNBC when he and Yasir were sitting next to each other in what
1: and what was kind of like a a, a pinch me moment. Like, like what are we what are we possibly looking at here? Can you it imagine? Was, I think someone tweeted this. Oh, it was Craig Kan, our former colleague. He's on the West Coast and he woke up and turned on his TV. Can you imagine like, that's the what? first thing you see? But but here's here's what Jay Monahan said. Quote, it's
0: it's less about what people how are people respond today and more about how people respond in 10 years. I think the I think the, the short-term impact is going to be a lot of hostility, anger, and resentment from the players. Right. I think uh, some of the live players, uh, assuming they do eventually get welcomed back into the PT Tour ecosystem, I think there could like, potentially be some some trolling. There could be some hard feelings. Uh, you could have a couple fan interactions. But like, this is also kind of how sports washing works. Like, things get normalized. Is anyone still talking about the Premier League team? Uh, that's that's financed now by the PIF, or does it just kind of blend uh, into what's a, a normal sport? That's kind of a long game uh, for the Saudis, uh, and that's now what the PJ Tour is going to help them along uh, in, in that journey now that the, the PIF does have uh, a seat at the table. I, I do think long-term, Rex, that this is going to be a huge win for golf fans. best players altogether, more money flowing in, more interest, And I do think that there is a way to incorporate the team element into something that could be very compelling and very interesting. We have to keep in mind, we're talking strictly here about regular season golf. And as Brooks Koepka has made clear in what is a pretty epic and legendary career, the majors are still what defines players' careers. And so if you can make regular season golf more interesting with huge tournaments, with a players' championship that could be a $50 million purse. If you can have some of this kind of a, a Ramco style team and corporation the PGA tour schedule, uh, I think that could be a very, very beneficial uh, for golf fans. And there's just still so much uh, that is yet to be known, uh, but we will be covering it all. God, God willing uh, for, for golf channel uh, for the next couple of years, Rex, if that's all we've got for this edition, the golf channel podcast, with Rex and Lab. We appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to go to golfchannel.com. We'll have full recaps, full reports, full analysis, full columns. We we'll even have a couple blogs or two gonna dust off the old blog machine uh, from the presser uh, with Jay Monahan on Tuesday night, as well as a, a look inside the room of the players meeting. What was a very contentious, hostile and aggressive uh, player meeting Tuesday in Canada. All right. That's going to do it. Regularly scheduled pro- programming will return Next week for the U.S. Open, you and I will be together at L.A. Country Club, as well as daily pods from each and every tournament round at the U.S. Open, which, yeah, after this news, just got a whole lot more interesting.